Welcome into the Tighten Up Podcast on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. I'm Jack Gentry alongside my partner, Luke Worsham, and we are the Tighten Up Podcast. Austin is out again this week. Hopefully we'll be hearing from him soon. But for now, it's me and Luke going to take you home and get you ready for the NFL draft today. That's right. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Jack A. Gentry. He is at Luke underscore Worsham. We are at Tighten Up Pod on Twitter, at Tighten Up Podcast on Instagram. And as always, we are under the A to Z Sports umbrella. So go give A to Z Sports a follow on all social media channels. Um, guys, this is Sode number 60. It's the Ben Jones of Sode. So in honor, of, in honor of Ben Jones, uh, Luke, I don't know about you, but I took a pre-podcast <laughs> stroll around my room pretty barefoot. Uh, just to kind of get in the mode, get ready for this, as Ben Jones would probably do. Um, so that's how I pre- I prepared. But I, you know, you you do your thing, I'll do mine. I'll do Ben Jones's thing. Um, yeah, I actually what I did was I went and found uh, my my mortal enemy and and pulled out some of their hair and strung it to my ceiling fan. Also <laughs> like Ben, also like Ben Jones. That is sinister. You've heard that. You've heard that story. I have. Right? I have. You did that in college. Yeah, that is sinister, Ben Jones. Oh, man, you know what? We'll just leave that at that. But, hey, guys, we've got a great episode for you today. (laughs) Lots of stuff happened over the last week, so we're going to do our best to cover it all. John Robinson held a press conference this week. He talks about, the you know, his mindset on trading up in the draft, trading back. What's he thinking as draft day approaches on Thursday? We're going to get into exactly what was said and not said from the Titans GM. Uh, Julio Jones, he's on the block, and the Titans have reportedly reached out. Pretty interesting. Uh, definitely noteworthy, isn't it, Luke? I definitely have opinions. All right. Well, we're going to get to all of your opinions here shortly. Isaiah Wilson, speaking of opinions, we're going to share ours. I have bigger opinions on this. We're, we're going to share our thoughts about Isaiah Wilson's mixtape that he has released. Don't quit your G. day job. G.G. Bowser. Uh, yeah, G.G. Bowser. Don't quit your day job, Isaiah. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. It's a little yeah. too late for that. We also have the uber-informed draft guru, Justin Mello of the Draft Network and Broadway Sports, joining us to hit every Titans draft angle imaginable before we close out this week's episode with Remember the Titan. So, Luke, that's enough from me. Would you please tell these fine people about Mill Creek Brewing Company? Yeah, let me say a quick word about Mill Creek Brewing Company. They're located at 2008B Johnson Industrial Boulevard in Nolensville, Tennessee. It's one of the coolest tap rooms in Middle Tennessee. They've got over 20 unique Mill Creek beers on tap. And they have a phenomenal patio seating as well as indoor seating, a massive indoor seating section available. If you're looking to enjoy a little Darlin, Juicy Days, or even a Del Rey Mexican lager to get in the mood for Cinco de Mayo, which is quickly approaching, Jack. Mill Creek is putting on the Catfish Jake Cornhole Classic. Catfish Jake, the guy that years ago threw the catfish out on the ice during the Stanley Cup Finals in Pittsburgh. And it's benefiting the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which takes place May the 15th. And it's only 25 bucks. Can you believe that, Jack? It's only 25 Real. bucks for launch and open bar. Launch and open bar, 25 bucks. And 125 bucks per team if you want to sign up and compete in the get the 64 team double elimination cornhole tournament. You're gonna have chances to win awesome prizes if that is something you're interested in. Because nobody throws a party like Mill Creek Brewing Company. You can check them out online at millcreekbrewingco.com to check out their upcoming events, such as they have the trivia every Thursday, lots of live music performances, and their Cinco de Mayo 
celebration. Head out to Mill Creek. Make sure to tell them that the Tighten Up podcast sent you. This place is really next level. You know we love us in Mill Creek. So with all that said, let's talk Titan. I hear the train are coming. It's rolling around the bend. And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm sucking holes in prison. And time keeps dragging on. All right, before we dive into this juicy sode, let me say some words about our new sponsor, Smash Pest Control. We're so excited to bring them on. Guys, springtime has arrived, and unfortunately, so have the mosquitoes and termites. So now is the perfect time to talk to you guys about Smash Pest Control, the best pest control service in Middle Tennessee. Smash is a local company with a community-driven approach that focuses on amazing customer service above all else. They will smash your expectations with every visit. If they don't, you don't pay. It's that simple. Right now, you can get your initial pest service uh, started by mentioning A to Z for just $79. $79 if you just mention A to Z sports to smash pest control. That's your initial pest control service. Even better, the owners of Smash are massive Titans and Preds fans, as you may be able to tell by the name of their company. These guys do amazing work all over the mid-state. Make sure to check them out online at smashpests.com or give them a call at 615-697-6184. Again, that's 615-697-6184. That's Smash Pest Control. Uh, call them and they'll solve those pesky pest problems today. Jack, do you know if Smash can take care of those people that call me daily to inform me that uh, my car's extended warranty oh, is, is quickly coming to an end? If only they could, man. That would solve a lot of the world's problems. <laughs> Smash Pest Control could could fix the universe if they could put a stop to that, which I guess you could call those guys termites and mosquitoes as well. So uh, yeah, not a absolutely. bad question. But uh, Luke, let's go ahead and start this thing. We, we've got... John Robinson's press conference this week, and he, he talked about a lot of things. You wrote a nice story about it on A to Z Sports Nashville. Yep. He talked about how he wanted more picks in the top 100. Um, he, he said he's open to doing business in the first round of the draft, whether that means trading up or trading back. Who knows? John Robinson's not one to tip his hands. And while he did talk this week, he didn't really uh, lay out in detail his draft plans, as you know, most yeah. of these teams are, are being pretty tight-lipped right about now. <laughs> Well, I'll say this. He said more than Vrabel usually says yeah. when we get to have press conferences with him. You need to coach better and play uh, better. Yeah, I, I was joking with uh, uh, some of my buddies yesterday that when we get on with Vrabel Thursday and he gets asked, you know, what, 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 let's say it's Elijah Moore at 22. Coach, what made you take Elijah Moore at 22? You no, know, we just think he's a really good football player and he's going to help us win some games and score some points. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's going to be the Vrabel answer. But back to Robinson. We love you, Mike. I think you were right with the things that you you highlighted that came out of his press conference. You know, it's this, the same thing you hear every year. They're open for business. Uh, I did like this comment he made because I am one of many people talking about how I think it would make sense for the Titans to trade down. But, but Robinson commented that when you think about trading down, you cannot simply trade down for the sole purpose of hoarding picks and just saying we want to get a ton of picks. And so we're going to trade down and because what ends up happening is you then have to use those picks on players that you don't really like. And so what, what he said is they're open to trading down, they're open to trading up, 
but you, but if you trade down, you have to believe that you're still going to be able to get, you know, the, the four players that maybe you're looking at. And if you trade up, there's typically one or two guys you're looking for. It's not just simply we're going to trade up to be higher in the draft. You know, there's a, a specific player that you were looking for when that happens. And so I thought it was good to hear uh, Robinson talk about that. He, he said that uh, he said offensive line is deep in this draft. He said corner is deep. He said receiver is deep as well. And he mentioned that receivers a little more uh, balanced uh, throughout the draft than the cornerback position is. Um, you know, you, like you said, Jackie, it's not like he laid out the plan for the draft or anything like that. Uh, but I feel like we did learn some things, and and it's not that I can sit here and predict what they're going to do, but whenever they do make their decision, whether it's in the first round or later, I feel like based on what Robinson said, I'm going to be able to go back to that and say, oh, okay, that makes sense. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's not something we can tell now, but you're right. When, when you go back after the draft, uh, there, there may be some breadcrumbs that we find. And one of the things that I found interesting that he said was the fact that you know, he didn't say anything that we didn't know already. This wide receiver in class, the wide receiver class is very deep. Uh, offensive, uh, offensive tackle. Uh, he, he thinks maybe a little deeper than I do, but uh, with the wide receiver comment is what's interesting because yes, he's yeah. right. You know, th this wide receiver class is pretty deep. Um, you've got the top three pretty much set in stone. Whether it's going to be Waddle and Waddle or Devonte Smith going second is the only question there. But um, from behind him, the, the guys like four through eight or nine, you've got Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore, Rashad Bateman, uh, Terrace Marshall Jr. There's a ton of guys there mm -hmm. um, that may last, you know, that may make it to the second round when the Titans are back on the clock. If the Titans uh, are, are so fortunate, then maybe they take one of those guys. But that's something I found interesting, you know, because he said you hear John Robinson say that, man, this, this wide receiver class is deep from top to bottom. So does he take, does he wait to the second round? Does he take two wide receivers this draft? All of these questions started popping up in my mind. And yeah. it, we're not going to know until Thursday, obviously, because mm -hmm. number one, GMs aren't going to tip their hands. Number two, how much can you really show when you're picking 22nd in the draft? Exactly. And, and, you know, when you look at the receivers, to go back to the comment about if you trade down, you have to think you can still get a good player. I think they should trade down from 22 if they can. And I think there are some teams that they could do it with. I think uh, Pittsburgh and Buffalo or P Pittsburgh in particular may try to jump Buffalo to try to get a running back, or maybe yeah. it's the other way around, Wh whichever one of them is lower may try to jump the other one to try to get Najee Harris. And so 22 with the Titans would be an option to potentially do that. But, but when I look at the receivers in this class, I think the Titans need to get one of the, the better ones. I don't think they need to wait too long. When I look at the trio of Elijah Moore, Terrace Marshall, and Diami Brown from North Carolina, me as a you know Titans analyst who has to write about the team and talk about what's good and what's not, I would be perfectly fine with any of those. I think any of those three would – get the job done for the Titans and give them what they need. I think Elijah Moore is the best of those three. Um, I think probably after that, it goes Marshall and then Brown. They're not all three as good as each other, but I think that's the level of player you're looking for. So if you move down to 29, let's say if you're the Titans with the, but with the bills or even further down and you move back into the second round, 
as long as you're going to have the opportunity to get one of those three players, which I think you would at the top of the second round, at least one of those three, uh, I think you do it. Yeah. I'm with you. I, if, if the right guy at receiver is there, especially receiver, I am keen on a receiver being taken with the Titans first pick, whether they pick at 22, whether they mm-hmm. move up to 16, like Justin Mello hinted, they might do. You're going to have to wait for that and see who he thinks the Titans could be targeting in a, targeting in a possible trade-up scenario. Whether they move back, I want them to take a receiver first. That's, in my opinion, that's the biggest hole in this roster. And if you fill that position correctly, then this offense, you know, won't miss a beat from where 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 they ranked last year. But there was some news this week that came down from the wire. Um, some interesting news in regarding a 32-year-old wide receiver um, that is yep. now playing under former Titans offensive coordinator Arthur Smith down in Atlanta. His name is Julio Jones. Does a trade with the Titans here make sense? And, and another, what, we'll start with this. What would you give up to get Julio Jones? Because let's face it, he has one of the worst contracts in football. Uh, but but at the same time, he can completely change an offense. And could you imagine? I mean, this is just this is just wide receiver porn right here. Is AJ mm-hmm. Brown and Julio Jones on the same field at the same time? What what secondary in the league has a chance against those two? Yeah, I think it's a good question as to, you know, what you would give up for him. Peter King in his uh, Monday morning column that he's done for years seemed to think that a second rounder in 2022 might do the job because uh, this is going to have to be a post-June 9th, I think it is. I think it's June, yeah, June, the, June 1st. And they in six, nine, yeah. Somewhere around there. One of the single-digit June but, but Early June, you're right, and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it would be a next year draft pick as a result of that. And the reason the Falcons wanting to do this is to defer some cap, salary cap space. Now, I don't know how much of that awful contract you're taking on. If you trade for Julio, I think the Falcons would still be on the books for a lot of it. So let's just pretend that you're going to pay Julio, you know, nine, 10 million bucks a year. I don't know what it actually is, but let's just pretend that it's that. And so the question we're asking is, is how much do you want to give up for a 32 year old receiver? albeit a future hall of famer who's going to make 10, 19 million bucks. If it's that second round draft pick that's going to get the job done and you're the Tennessee Titans, you're going to be, you know, one of the top half teams in the league next year. So it's going to be a bottom half of the second round pick. And I mean, let's just look at what the Titans have gotten out of the second round. I mean, outside of you, you have Derek Henry and AJ Brown as the really good ones. And then outside of that, it's, it's not a whole lot, obviously, Kevin Dodd is the worst of the crew, but then it's it's Christian Fulton. Uh, there were a couple of years where they didn't have a, a second-round draft pick. And I know the, that Julio is certainly over the hill, and, and he has some injury concerns, but for a late second-round pick next year uh, to get a 32-year-old future Hall of Famer on your roster who undoubtedly has gas left in the tank, I mean, I'm surprised I'm saying this, but I'd bolt the trigger on that. It's chump change to me, Luke. I think yeah, it's a no-brainer. I think so, too. And, and a big drawback I've been seeing from a bunch of people on Titans Twitter is, is the 32 years old mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, 32 at wide receiver is not 32 at, you know, Jarrell Casey at, at defensive tackle. 32 at wide receiver yeah. is not even 32, uh, a 32-year-old tight end, especially a, a, with a guy who has a build like Julio Jones, whose body is very durable who, you know, yeah. has had success at the well, highest level at the wide receiver position um, for, for over a decade now. And, and you're, you're a team who's, who simply doesn't have a wide receiver, too. You had a 1A, 1B in Corey Davis in, in uh, A.J. Mm-hmm. Brown last year, but 
This takes the 1A, 1B wide receiver to a whole other level. You bring Julio Jones in, I don't care. You could have me playing, you know, nickel corner <laughs> yeah. for the Titans. And, and you'd still feel pretty comfortable about your chances with the weapons you'd have on offense. I think it's a no-brainer. I, if, it's, if all it is is a second rounder and maybe $9, $10 million like that, you can move some money around, whether it's Ben Jones, some other guys on that offense who can restructure. You can make the necessary room for Julio Jones. And then, boom, you have the most dynamic offense in all of football. This is how I like to explain it when, when we talk about aging players of Julio Jones caliber. When you look at the players like him, those generational, supreme, the body's not supposed to be built like that sort of talents that you have from time to time, you start so high that – When you age and you decline, what you decline into is not someone that is worthless, like someone who maybe starts in the middle. You decline to like pro bowler. Yes, exactly. I I was saying this back when the Cardinals signed J.J. Watt. Everyone's like, well, he's old. It's like, yeah, but he started out as arguably the most dominant defensive player in the history of the NFL. He has some space to fall. He from can there. flirt with double-digit sack numbers. You're right, and it's look. it's the same when you're looking at a guy like Julio Jones or Rob Gronkowski or Antonio Brown. Those just once in a generation dominant players that can't be touched. They have a lot of room to fall. This is not Randy Moss coming to the Titans. This is not Andre Johnson coming to the Titans, where they are, are on the at the end of their line. Julio Jones has four, or five, six years left of good football in him, or at, yeah, at least he's, above he's average. He's not a zombie. Football. Yeah, it's Julio Jones for God's sakes that we're talking. He likes bass fishing. There's some great fish. There's some great fishing spots in Nashville and mm-hmm. the surrounding counties. He would love that. He'd fit in there. He loves wearing camo. That's a big thing here. I, I hate and that he, it is, and, but it is. And he's low maintenance. He's a superstar, but he's low maintenance. He doesn't he's not come, with the come in exactly. And, and there were a bunch of people. I remember when uh, you know at the beginning of the off season when every all of these free agents. We love to picture. These, these premium free agents in Titans uniforms. And yeah. Antonio Brown was, was a minor discussion, albeit uh, he still was a discussion. Um, if you're okay with bringing Antonio Brown into the locker room, that's, that's one thing. But Julio Jones can bring the numbers that A.J. Brown would, would probably bring in, and, and then some. I know his, 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 his touchdown numbers have been a little shaky the last few seasons, but – you, you get a red zone offense like the Titans around him and, and Derrick Henry to set up some of Ryan Tannehill's success, which happens a ton in the red, red zone. And that's I mean, a perfect fit for me. Those people listening to us right now that thought Corey Davis was some kind of like really good receiver. <laughs> you better be on till, board for just, Julio Jones. Just wait till you see this guy if the Titans yeah. get him. Jeez, I, I'm so on board with this. It's crazy. And for a second round pick too, it's it makes too much sense. And if you're truly in – which you are, your championship window, and you've got maybe two years left. You'd sign on for Julio, and he wouldn't be around much longer than two years. His contract gets ugly. There's a potential out after the 2022 season. So you have some flexibility there, and it's really not a long-term situation you're going to get locked into. Yeah, there, There's too many things that make sense for me. But, again, you know, as a Titans fan, which I've been for my whole life, and, you know, I, I grew up right outside of Nashville. This is a move that they haven't made. They've been reluctant to make, you know, going to get a superstar that while he's not at, you know, he's not at his peak form, he's not in his prime anymore, but he's just outside of it. He can produce like a guy who is, it's a move that they haven't been willing to make in years past. 
But, uh, man, this would be the perfect time to make that play. You brought up Randy Moss. This wouldn't be the Titans getting Randy Moss. This would be the Patriots getting yes, Randy Moss. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yes, that's a, that's a great yeah, that's a great point to make. Um, Julio Jones has a ton left, and what he could add to this offense would would be I can't. It's it's like a, it's like a wet dream to me. It's I'm not going <laughs> to believe it. I'm not going to believe it till I see it. Obviously, but uh, I like that the Titans are in the chatter. I, I think Sportsline, CBS Sportsline released odds on Julio Jones's next team. And the Titans were right there. The Ravens were the leaders of the pack, which, which I hate. And that's another thing you got to think about. You, if, the, if the Ravens are going all in on Julio Jones, that hurts the Titans double because Julio Jones is now going to, a, you know, not only a rival, but a, but a team that's going to be there in the playoffs, at least you'd expect them to. The Ravens were the leaders at plus 250. The Raiders, who are involved, you know, with every single big-name free agent uh, out there, were, <laughs> were plus 300. Uh, so it's, you can't really put anything past John Gruden, the $10 million man, the $100 million man. Uh, <laughs> Titans right behind them, though, the plus 500. Pretty short odds. I couldn't believe that. Plus 500. They're third on the charts. Patriots, Eagles, and the Colts uh, are, are behind the Titans. But, I mean, that's that – I mean, if, like- if I'm Julio Jones of, and I have my pick of those three teams, that's who I want as a Titans. Yeah, I don't no want to go to – Rave the Baltimore Ravens, where they never throw the football, and Lamar Jackson is very shaky accuracy. Raiders, who have really no identity other than Mike Mayock drafting weird out of nowhere players in the first round. <laughs> Cleveland like, Farrell, yeah. <laughs> Cleveland Farrell, uh, Henry Ruggs is the first receiver uh-huh. in that draft class. Uh, Oof, yeah, some questionable decisions, but yeah, and I mean, in Tennessee. You know, unlike Atlanta, where Julio Jones is the main focus, A.J. Brown's going to be able to take some of that pressure off you. He's going to yeah. take some of that attention away from you. Um, so so I think this is a perfect situation for Julio Jones to thrive at this point in his career, kind of take some weight off his shoulders in terms of uh, his, his expanded roles and responsibilities. He's going to be out there, you know, for 95% of the snaps. But it's with guys like A.J. Brown on the other side, I, I think makes the Titans more attractive. It just makes too much sense to me. It just really, really does. Julio Jones, bring him on. Uh, it's interesting, too, because you got Arthur Smith down there. Is he going to be willing to do business with Mike Vrabel and the Titans, the team he just left? There's a lot There's a lot of moving pieces there, but, man, sign me up for Julio Jones in Tennessee. All right, guys, before we get to Justin Mello, who was a phenomenal, phenomenal guest. You guys are going to love every second of this. He hits on every single player the Titans have been targeting, all of the buzz you've heard. He, we're going to get to with Justin Mello. He's got some great stuff. Um, but before we get to him, let me say a quick word about DraftKings. Um, for some, the draft is the most exciting day of the season. For others, it's a chance to build on last year's successes. Whether your team is the first pick or the last, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing the excitement to you. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is adding to the thrill of the draft with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in free bets if a quarterback is drafted first overall Thursday night, hmm, I wonder if that's going to happen. Turning $1 into $100 in free bets is simple. All you have to do is place a wager on any draft day outcome, and you will be eligible to win $100 in free bets if Trevor Lawrence, a quarterback, is selected with the Jacksonville Jaguars' first overall pick. Think you know how your team's going to do in this year's draft? Put, put your money where your mouth is and bet it on DraftKings Sportsbook. There are a number of ways to take action on the draft. So head to the app now to see what DraftKings Sportsbook is offering for Thursday night's main event. 
guys, there's a ton of value out there. I'm not going to lie. I've made too many bets in the draft already. Pinay Sewell, where he's going to go. Jamar Chase, uh, who's going to be the first running back taken. Which position are the Titans going to draft with their first pick? There's so much out there that you can bet on. DraftKings Sportsbook has the has a variety that is second to none, especially when it comes to betting the NFL draft. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code A to Z when you sign up for a chance to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is letting you turn $1 into $100 in free bets. If a quarterback is selected first overall this Thursday night, don't forget enter code A to Z, A-T-O-Z, during sign-up. Only at DraftKings Sportsbooks. Must be 21 or older. Tennessee only. Winnings paid out in free bets. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text the Tennessee Redline to 1-800-889-9789. Let's get to Justin Bello. By, by this time of this podcast reverberates through your canal, we will be just one day away from the NFL draft. We're almost there. So it's only right for this week's guest to be one of the best NFL draft minds, not only in the U.S., but also the great white north. He's from Canada. You can find his in-depth draft analysis and interviews on the Draft Network. He also hosts the Music City Audible for Broadway sports. His name is Justin Mello. You can find him on Twitter at Justin M underscore NFL. Justin, how's it going, man? I'm doing well. That's quite the intro, man. I, I appreciate it. I'm glad to be talking ball with you guys uh, this afternoon. Hey, we're glad to have you. And, you know, with Luke sitting in, Austin likes to get the questions out of the way early. Austin's not able to join us this week. So he, he likes to get the hard-hitting ones out, of, out, out early. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead off with this. Which is longer, the winter in Canada or the time in between the Super Bowl and the NFL draft for draft <laughs> gurus like yourself? That, that's a tough one, but I'm going to go with the time in between the NFL draft, you know, after the Super Bowl, because, yeah, the winters are, can be long in Canada and painful, but uh, I'm, I'm, tired of, uh, I'm tired of this chatter at number three with San Fran, especially, oh, you know, going dude. through all the QBs. And I'll be honest, it's funny. I actually said it today, um, you know, uh, with, with the guys at Broadway. We were talking, and I told them, I'm like, you know what? It, it hit me today that I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for Thursday to get here. And they're like, only now you're ready? Like, this, has been, this has already been exhausting. I'm like, you know what? I live this draft stuff. So I guess my tolerance is quite high. But for me, I don't know. Maybe I missed it. But it feels like this week is where it's really started to get ridiculous with the smoke screens and the, this team wants this guy and this team is this. It's, it's, uh, I'm ready for Thursday and I'm, I'm ready to put it behind us. <laughs> I want to start off by asking you about that number three pick. And, and we've talked about this before, but Perfect. now, since the last time we talked, Justin, Trey Lance has seemingly entered the picture here. All of the reports being that the Niners are choosing between him and Mac Jones from Alabama. So I'll ask you this question. The other obvious choice would have presumably been Justin Fields from Ohio State. What is it about Trey Lance that you think is making the 49ers value him ahead of Justin Fields because I think if you choose Mac Jones over Justin Fields it's a stylistic preference now I feel like it's getting into perhaps the weeds a little bit and I don't know of really anybody in the in the big draft world that has Lance ahead of Fields so so what's the rationale there do you think 
That's a really good question. And I'll start by saying this. Uh, from the moment they made the trade, I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, Luke, but the moment they made the trade, San Fran, up to number three, I thought it was for Trey Lance. Now, that's not on anything. That's, that's a hunch. That was a hunch that I had. Yeah. I felt like the fit was, was a good one. I, in fact, I, I'm not going to drop any names, but I pulled my cell phone out two minutes after they made the trade, and I texted somebody in Trey Lance's camp. I have the photo evidence. And, you know, joking around, I texted him. I said, I hope Trey likes the weather in San Francisco. <laughs> and and that, that right away that happened. And I got a text back saying, oh, you know, crazy day. And that, that's all I got back. But I've always thought it was Trey Lance. I'm going to feel like a genius. I'm not going to lie to you if it is Trey Lance, because I did that way back then. I mocked Trey Lance to San Fran uh, for my, my final mock draft here on the Draft Network that just published today, actually, to, being Tuesday the 27th. That's available now on the Draft Network. I wrote that a week ago, so and it seems like since then it's starting to pick up even more steam, so I'm still feeling good about it. To, to answer your question, why Trey Lance over Justin Fields, I'll be honest with you. I don't know, and I have a tough time understanding why that may be the case, and I'm incredibly high on, on Trey Lance but I'm, I'm even higher on Justin Fields. So it, it's tough to answer that question without knowing what they're like in the meeting room, right? There, there's, if, if, that's, if this is the case, if they prefer Trey Lance and they like him more than Justin Fields, then you'd have to think that they vibed with him better as a prospect. Maybe they liked what they saw on the whiteboard a little more. I, I'm sure they had five Zoom meetings with him. That's the maximum that teams are allowed to have uh, with a guy virtually on Zoom. So I'm sure they maxed that out. They had five Zoom meetings with all of them. And, and Trey must have shown them something from the beginning. For me, I thought he fits their offense. And yes, he's a little raw. And yes, he has the least experience out of, out of all of them, right? Out of between Mac and and uh, and Justin. But I think he fits their offense well. The RPOs, the stuff that Kyle Shanahan loves to do, and the way he designed his offense. I think Trey Lance is a really good fit for it. The reason I can't fully answer your question is because I think Justin Fields is also a good fit for it, right? And I can't speak to that why they may disagree. Um, if they do, and we'll find out on Thursday night. But but I do really like Trey Lance, and, and that, that's always been my hunch from the beginning that this was for Trey Lance. Man, and, and what they call lying season is definitely upon us. And if that third pick has been so tough to kind of figure out where they're going to take it. Mac Jones has been the leader in the clubhouse for so long. But moving away from the Niners and closer home to the Titans, there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of buzz surrounding, you know, which which position the Titans are targeting. Uh, wide receiver, there's holes there. They they have big needs in the secondary as well. Um, what are you What are you thinking? Who are some of the guys that you know the Titans have been spending time with ahead of this draft process? Well, yeah, I know they've spent a lot of time with Tevin Jenkins, uh, the right tackle out of Oklahoma State. Uh, he's a good, hard-nosed football player. Uh, Teron uh, Davenport, TD, just reported the other day that they spent time with Elijah Moore. Uh, we kind of all figured that would was be the case, but we hadn't had confirmation on it until Teron recently mentioned it. Um, so those two guys, for, I know they spent time with Greg Newsom, who's another guy that's a first-round player. I know they spent time with Rondale Moore, Asante Samuel, uh, 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 Levi on Wuzurike was another guy that Teron confirmed. That's a guy that's been mocked a little bit to them um, at 22nd overall. Now, I, I would like to think, and, and we may all be fooled on Thursday night, but I, I feel pretty comfortable guessing that they're going to spend this pick. It's either going to be a receiver, a tackle, or a corner. And I'd be surprised if they went elsewhere with that pick. I know some people have talked about defensive tackle. We've seen a lot of buzz 
uh, over the past week on, again, on Uzurike out of Washington and Christian Barmore out of, out of Alabama. I'm going to guess both of those are, and I'm going to borrow your term there, lying season. I, mm-hmm. I'd be pretty surprised if they use this pick on one of those two guys, a defensive tackle, period. So uh, I'm comfortable, and it's, it's certainly not a hot take by any stretch of the imagination, but I'd be pretty surprised if it's not a receiver uh, or a corner. I'd say those two likely being the likeliest positions, and then with a chance that it's an offensive tackle. Justin, let me preface this next question I have for you with, with some info about me. I went to Ole Miss, so I'm big time on the Elijah Moore train. I think having A.J. Brown and Elijah Moore, some of the NWOs, the nasty wideouts from Ole Miss in Nashville would be pretty cool. But Todd McShay came out this week and said that it's, you know, the smoke's starting to clear. Elijah Moore looks like the, the fourth receiver that's going to be taken behind the big three, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, and Devonta Smith. Are you buying that? See, it's, it's tough. And I think Luke may have asked me a similar question recently. And, and, and the reason, I think it's possible, but it only takes one team, right? I, pro, I think sometimes fans don't realize how different big boards are around the league. I promise you there are teams that have Elijah Moore as their fourth receiver. There are teams that have Rashad Bateman as their fourth receiver. There are probably teams that have Terrace Marshall out of LSU as their fourth receiver. Heck, there's probably even a team or two that has Rondale Moore as their fourth receiver. So I think it's possible that Moore is the fourth to, to come off the board. I'd almost call it likely at this point. I would say he's the odds-on favorite to be the fourth receiver off the board, but it really depends on the team. You know, if, there, if there's a team that has Bateman in front of him, which I, I, there are, uh, there are teams that have that, and they might want to pick a receiver, then they're going to take Rashad Bateman right before Elijah Moore comes off the board. So uh, if I was a betting man, and I'm really not, Uh, I would probably put my money on Elijah Moore being that guy. And it's easy to see why. I mean, you turn the tape on, he's so dynamic. He's elusive. I I don't got to tell you if you went to Ole Miss, uh, you know what he was like. Just so exciting, right, when he gets the ball in his hands. He averaged more yards per game than Devontae Smith. And and I certainly don't think he's a better prospect than Devontae. But, he, you know, that's really impressive that he was able to do that. Ole Miss, they designed a lot of their offense for him, right? They manufactured touches for him. They got the ball in his hands. And he did special things with it, right? Uh, There are people who think he can play both in inside and outside I as much as I love him I have a bit of a tough time thinking he could play outside at that size I think he's probably a slot receiver at the next level but I'm a big fan of his game and if the Titans take him at 22 then they got better as we talked about a minute ago Justin this is the time of year where people get lied to and where nonsensical information gets thrown around and and presented as truth you're someone that's that's well connected. You undoubtedly get information from from agents and and from that world. As a reporter who has a lot of people listening to you, what's your process of sifting through the information that you're given to decide what is just smoke being blown to you and what might actually have something to it? Yeah, it's tough. You know, for me personally, I'll be honest, I'm not big on working the phones throughout this week because I'm not looking for people to BS me. I'm not super interested in putting stuff out there uh, just for clicks and for it to get its traffic. I, I have my conference. I've spent most of today having conversations with NFL agents. I've called a bunch of people today, but I really do that to wish them luck, tell them I'll be in touch throughout the weekend. I personally don't look for a ton of info. People will uh, reach out to me and give me info. It, it, it tends to be on uh, this prospect met with this team. As, as you guys have probably seen, I've been reporting on a ton of those over the last couple of months, but, but my process is I know who I trust and I know who I listen to. And, and people have earned my trust over the years. 
and, and people have lost my trust over the years. You know, it goes both ways. So I, I really, you know, I, I try to lean on the people who have steered me in the right direction. I think I told the story, Luke, on, on one of your podcasts recently, but I tell it quite a while. It's, it's a good one. Um, uh, I had an agent last year reach out to me and tell me that his guy was going in the third round. And this is a guy that uh, pretty much every, everyone in the media at least had a seventh round grade on. Nobody was mocking him in the top 100. Nowhere. I didn't see it one time. And, uh, you know, I had this conversation with this agent. I said, are, are you sure about this? You know, this is, am I going to put this out there and look stupid, you know, come the weekend if he goes in the seventh round, like a lot of people are expecting him to. And, uh, and, and I put it out there that he was getting more interest and people realized and that he was going to go earlier. And I got some crap for it in my mentions. Lo and behold, he went in the third round uh, on the back end. So that's an example of somebody who earned my trust. You know, so if he calls me this week and, and tells me something, then that's something that I'll be putting out there. But for the most part, uh, I, I try to sift through the trash this time of year by not getting overly involved in it. One of the biggest questions of this entire draft happens to be a player that the Titans may have some interest in, cornerback Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech. Uh, the, health, the health issues are documented. He had an ACL a couple years ago. He's had two back surgeries in the last three years. Very concerning there. But where is he what, – what are you hearing about Caleb Farley? Is he going to be ready for the season? Could he fall potentially to the Titans at 22 or even deeper? Yeah, it's really interesting because on, on one hand, this draft, I, I think teams are going to play it safe for the most part because of the, the access to medicals isn't quite um, – as, as, as it hasn't been as easy to access as it is normally in years past. And I feel the character, the character concerns, the, the medicals, uh, I, I do think there are players that are going to slide. I don't know if that's going to be Caleb Farley, because when you turn the tape on, this is a dynamic prospect. Hands down, the most talented corner in this draft. I would have had a top 10 grade on him overall um, if it wasn't for the back uh, situation. Now, I don't know uh, a lot about the back situation, right? That's just the truth. I mean, I see what's out there. I say that because there's a lot out there, but we don't know that any of that is true, right? We've just spent the last couple of minutes uh, partially. We know he's had the surgeries, of course, but talking about the smoke screens and, and lying season. So I'll tell you one thing. His agent, uh, who's, who's Drew Rosenhaus, is adamant that he's going to get picked in the first round. So it'll be easy. It'll, it, that, you talked about how do you sift through the trash? Well, people aren't going to forget this. You know, Drew Rosenhaus has put it out there, and I've spoken to, to – I didn't speak to Drew directly, but I have spoken to the Rosenhaus camp. They're adamant that Caleb Farley's going in the first round and that that's what they're hearing. They don't think he might get past 20. The Titans are at 22, so that's interesting. I did mock him to the Titans in my final mock draft oh. uh, at the, over at the Draft Network, again, which is available now, uh, because I think that'd be a great fit for them. I think John Robinson isn't afraid to take a risk on guys with an injury history. I mean, we saw him do it with Jeffrey Simmons. As long as he feels like, of course, that they're going to be healthy and that they're getting good value at the pick. Now, of course, Farley would be good value at 22 because he's one of the top 10 players in this draft, let alone top 22. Do they sign off on the medicals? Look, it's every team's going to have a different answer, almost, if you ask that question, right? There are teams, I promise you, that are comfortable with the medical, and then there are teams who aren't comfortable with the medical. So um, he's a guy that can slide, but I'll tell you one, that's one that I'm really monitoring because, uh, you know, Drew Rosenhaus has been uh, so vocal in saying he's not sliding and that he is going in the first round. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Outside of Jack Conklin, none of John Robinson's first round draft picks made a day one impact for the Titans. And very few made really even a rookie season impact if you look at uh, what they were able to do over that first year. Now, most of them developed quite nicely after that, 
But with as many players, good players, that the Titans lost during free agency during the offseason, it feels like they are really in desperate need for some guys to come in and sort of like A.J. Brown did when he was a rookie, day one come in and make this football team a lot better. And I, for one, think that needs to happen in the first round because I think that's what the first round is for. It's for you to find a guy that's going to come in and from day one make you a better football team. We, we talked a little bit about Elijah Moore. I think he probably fits in that category. Who are some other guys that you think, looking at that 22nd pick, the Titans could get who can come in and aren't just going to be sort of an infrastructure guy who – you know, makes them more solid and doesn't really get noticed. I'm talking about someone who's going to come in and you can see it without having to go watch the tape. You can see it watching the game on television. Someone who's going to come in and make them a better football team from day one. It's a great well, question. That's a great question. And I'll tell you what, they need that to happen. And, and you're right about that. You know, they haven't had a ton of it throughout the John Robinson era, but they need it to happen this year. You know, last year thought they could get away with it a bit more. I think they have more needs going into this draft than they had a year ago. So it really depends on the position. And, and you'd hope if they draft a guy at a position of need, which they should, then that, that he does make that impact because he's going to have to, right? Whether that's a receiver, he better be able to beat out uh, Cameron Batson or, or Nick Westbrook, right? At the receiver position. If it's a corner, he better be able to beat out Kevin Johnson or Breon Borders. If it's a right tackle, he better be able to beat out uh, uh, Ty Sombrello or Kendall Lamb. So to answer that question, focusing on those positions, because those are, I think, the positions where they need it the most. A guy, if you draft Tevin Jenkins at 22nd overall, he better come in and win the starting job at right tackle, right? over what they have now currently, which is basically a bunch of career backups, swing tackles. If it's Caleb Farley, and of course you, that you're, you're signing off on the medical, he better not get out, you know, uh, beat out by Breon Borders in training camp, right? Like, that, that's not a good thing if it happens. I think we're at receiver, you mentioned Elijah Moore. I agree that that's one there, but I think there are several others, right? Again, because of the lack of depth at the position, Rashad Bateman should would have no issue, you know, stepping onto the field day one for them, you'd like to think. Same thing with a guy that I don't think is being talked about enough. Uh, people probably feel 22 is a little early for him, but Terrace Marshall out of LSU, who's big, strong, fast, was, you know, in 2020, only played a couple of games, but he scored a bunch of touchdowns for LSU. He even made it, I mean, in 2019, as a younger guy on that historic team, he made an impact. It went, and they had Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, they had Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and Terrace Marshall still caught a lot of balls and made an impact, uh, his impact felt. So uh, if it's any of those guys, Jenkins, Moore, Bateman, uh, Samuel, uh, there, there's so many of them, Marshall, Asante Samuel at corner, that is, Greg Newsom at corner. You'd like to think any of these guys would be able to help them from the beginning. Real quick on the, the, the edge rushers. You go. With, with edge rushers, yeah, I think there are a couple now. I, I'd okay. be a little surprised if they went edge rusher at 22 just because of how much they have invested, of course, in Bud Dupree. And then we know they love Harold Landry, and I like Harold Landry. I know the, the sack numbers weren't what you know people hoped they were to be last season, but still a good player. I think the sack numbers would have been better if he got a chance to catch his breath every now and then, but they didn't have anyone behind them, so he couldn't do that. But at edge rusher, if they draft a guy, you, you would like to think he can come in and be the third rotational guy. A guy like Aziso Jolari can come in and play behind those two guys, beat out a guy like Derek Roberson, because they don't have much right now, right, when it comes to the third edge rusher, the rotational uh, spot. So Ojulari, Quiddy Pay can absolutely do that. Joe Tryon is a really good run defender, so I think he's somebody out of Washington that can come in and, and give you some early snaps as a rookie. So any of those guys, really, uh, that are that are going in the first round should be able to, you would think, to beat out, uh, say, 
Derek, a Derek Roberson, for example. And you hit on Asante Samuel, and I, that just kind of made me think, you know, outside of those those top four or five cornerbacks that will probably fall off the board in, in round one, how is the next tier looking? Is there a guy that maybe the Titans, uh, maybe, maybe their corner doesn't fall to them, and they elect to address that position uh, in the second round? Is there a guy in that second tier that you think fits what the Titans are doing defensively? Yeah, there is. And I've spoken about him uh, a lot over the last couple of weeks because I really like him personally. So this is a biased choice, but this is my personal evaluation. What my, the eye test tells me is Eric Stokes out of the University of Georgia. Uh, I'm not really sure why we're not. I'm sorry. A Georgia guy. I, I don't know if Isaiah Wilson <laughs> gives pause to the Titans. Jack. Draft the, draft the player in the jersey, <laughs> not the jersey itself. Well, Come I'll on. tell you what. I don't, I don't know if you guys saw this, but I, I don't know. How, it was pretty funny. Uh, a bunch of Titans fans uh, made jokes that the Titans were going to remove Stokes off their board because Isaiah Wilson recently publicly endorsed uh, yeah. Stokes. Probably uh, the worst thing that could happen, I saw right? That. For the Stokes, the Titans connection, right? Isaiah Wilson went on Twitter and said, Eric Stokes, man, this guy's for real. And a bunch of Titans fans were like, nope, I'm out. (laughs) Didn't do do me any favors because I love Eric Stokes. I really do. And I've got an interview publishing with him, actually, when this podcast releases on Wednesday the 28th. I recently got to speak with him just a few days ago. I don't really know why we're not talking more about him, to be honest with you, as a prospect in this corner class. He's over six feet tall, check. He checks in a a hair, and I do mean a hair, under 200 pounds. I'm good with that. Uh, The ball skills are what a lot of people have complained about with him. He had three interceptions this past year and only a couple of games, so he showed improvement in that area. He ran the 40-yard dash in 4.25 seconds at his pro day. I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. And yes, everyone, everybody ran fast at the pro day. That's what I know somebody's going to say, but he was a track star in high school. I promise you he's fast. If he's not four, two, five fast, he's what four, three, one fast. That's still fast. Even if that number is juiced up a little, he's fast. I promise you that Uh, at Georgia, they played press man coverage on the outside. We kind of, you know, I think you need that to survive in the NFL nowadays. That's what the Titans want to do, right? Everything they've done this offseason at the position kind of points to that, right? Jack Rabbit Jenkins, Kevin Johnson, maybe getting rid of a Malcolm Butler, who's maybe not a great fit in man coverage as he's getting a bit older. Um, but, but, you know, Eric Stokes did that. He played on an island. He was on the outside. He's fast. He showed improved ball skills. So out of this second group, and there are rumors that his teammate Tyson Campbell is going to get drafted before him, and it sounds like it's probably going to happen. There's even a little first-round buzz on Campbell. But I'll tell you what, I personally like Eric Stokes more than I like Campbell. And, and, and there are other corners in that second wave. You know, Elijah Molden out of Washington, I think is a good one that can come in and play in the nickel, uh, take over your slot position there. But, but Eric Stokes, for me, is my favorite one out of the group that's not getting talked about uh, in the first round right now. And you did some you did some work on last year's class as well, I assume. And and, and Christian Fulton is, is a guy that the Titans didn't really get to see a ton of this season, especially in you know a, a significant role on the field. Do, are, are they drafting a guy like that to kind of put pressure on on Fulton, or are they do they do they go to the other side? Even though they've just addressed it with Jackrabbit Jenkins, are, is this something they're they're currently evaluating as as this draft board? Uh, kind of shapes out whether it is in round one or round two because you, you, at the end of the day you spent a, a second round pick on Fulton last year and if you go ahead and double down on that position uh, with a guy like Fulton does that kind of display your lack of confidence in what Fulton can do 
I, I don't know that it displays your lack of confidence of what he can do because you, 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 you know, there's a saying in the NFL, you can never have too many corners and they don't have enough of them. And that's not a slight on Christian Fulton. It's not a slight on Jack rabbit. Uh, it, it's maybe a slight on Kevin Johnson or, 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 you know, whoever else is at the back end of that room, you need corners. I mean, what happens if you put all your marble, you know, you invest everything into Christian Fulton and Jack, right. and one, just one of them goes down. I mean, who's starting on the outside? I guess it's Breon Borders again. And he showed a couple of things in a couple of games, but I'd be hesitant to say I, I fully trust Breon Borders to go out and start 10, 12 games for you, and you're going to be really good on the outside. I mean, and one thing I'll say about Fulton and Jack Rabbit, I think what he gives them, and by the way, I, of course, I, I did do work on last year's draft class, and I had a top 30 grade on Fulton. So I really loved him, and I, I, was, I was jumping for joy when they got him there in the second round. Uh, you know, I, for me, in my mind, at the time, I flipped those first two picks. I had a first-round grade on Fulton. I had a second- or third-round grade on Isaiah Wilson. So I really liked that pick there in the second round. Unfortunately, he got hurt, and he didn't get to play as much as, as they probably would have liked him to. But one thing I'll say about the current corner group is I think you have a little versatility there, and I think that helps you because I think Jack Rabbit can play in the slot, can play nickel, uh, and I think Fulton can too. When they drafted Fulton, I, I think the idea originally was to have him start in the slot. I really think they were going to start a Dory and Malcolm outside and kick Fulton to the slot. He did it a little bit at LSU. He was actually supposed to do it. I, uh, when he got drafted, I spoke to the DB coach at LSU. I wrote up a story uh, and, and I did a long interview with him. And he said there was a year that Fulton was suspended, right? You guys may remember at LSU. And he told me he was going to start in the slot for us that season. Fulton was going to start in the slot. So the next year he came back from the suspension, he started on the outside because now we needed him to, you know, we, of course we lost a couple of the older guys. We kicked him outside. So I think you, I think the Titans can get away with drafting. I don't think they got a target, right? I don't think they got a target an outside corner or a nickel. I think whatever you do there, you've got a versatile group. Uh, Cause I, right now you've got two starters that I think can kick inside if necessary. What kind of an impact do you think Christian Barmore would have for the Titans if he was to pick at 22? Because I've seen that thrown around a little bit, and I don't hate it. However, to return to our earlier conversation about making an impact on day one, when you already have uh, Danico Autry and Jeffrey Simmons, and you spent a draft pick last year on Laurel Murchison, I, I don't know what kind of a boost as a team you would be getting from that guy. I agree. I don't think they'd be getting a very big boost. And that's not just because of the position. Uh, I, I'm going to say more so because I think he's a, still a little raw and, and he needs, and he needs, you know, time to get better. And, and I don't, there, I mean, how many rookie DTs in general light the league on fire? You know, I mean, look at, look at some of the ones in the past couple of years that went really early. Look at Leonard Williams, who by all intent and purposes, I thought was, a, a bona fide talent, an incredible player. He didn't make an impact right away. He's a pretty good football player now, but he didn't make the impact that everyone thought he was going to make year one. Look at Quinn and Williams. I, I think that's a pretty good comparison uh, for Barmore in a sense where Williams really only had that one year of production, right, at, at Alabama. And he went as high as he did. And he was unbelievable in his final season of college football. And he also didn't have a huge impact as a rookie. Barmore, 2019, he showed a couple things. There were flashes. Wasn't all that there. 2020, he started slow. He was coming off an injury, so that, you know, that kind of adds up a little. But then he finished really strong. But I think he's still an ascending guy 
right? That's still a little raw. So uh, if that's the pick at 22, uh, you're excited, I think, about the long-term potential. You're excited that he may one day put it all together. But I, I don't think he's going to give you a whole lot in year one. And, and I think Titans fans are, are going to be pretty disappointed if that's the pick. In, in John Robinson's press conference this week, he mentioned that he would like more picks in the top 100, but he's really open to, to moving around in this draft, whether it's up or down. If the Titans move up in this draft, who is a player they might be targeting? If we see, you know, on, on, on the ticker and Roger Goodell comes up and says, there's been a trade, the Titans have moved from 22 to wherever. Who is a player that might be on their radar? Uh, you know, and I've had this conversation privately with, with you know, with, with friends over the past couple of days, you know, the Broadway crew. And um, I don't think I would do it for anybody other than Devontae Smith. And, and I'll tell you why, because I, I don't think they can really afford to move up all that much because they need, again, we've talked about all the positions that I think they need to address. And we haven't even touched on tight end, by the way which I think they need to address uh, sometime in the mid rounds and, and, and tackle, of course, I think needs to be addressed and corner, of course. Um, but so if Devonte Smith though, if he starts sliding and he's there and for me, the starting point is at 16, if he's still there at 16, because NFL teams decide they're afraid of the weight or whatever it is, which I think is silly in this situation, by the way. Not that it's always silly. There are prospects like Tutu Atwell, for example, where the weight does concern me. But Devontae Smith doesn't concern me all that much. So if he's still there at 16 and all of a sudden, right, it's not costing you a whole lot to move up. You're not moving up to 9, 10, 11. I really start thinking about it at that point. That, that might still cost you an extra third. And that's where it starts becoming borderline for me. But if he's there at 18 or 19, and you're talking about it costing you, what, a fourth? Then to me, it's a no-brainer. This is the most dynamic player in college football last season. They need a receiver. He made DBs look silly on a weekly basis. They couldn't cover him. They're, no matter what they threw at him, they could not cover him. So he's, he's a terrific talent. I have him as the number two receiver in this class. I know a lot of, I know a lot of people that have him at three. But uh, I think he's terrific. Uh, so if he's there, 16, I start thinking about it. If he's there at 18, 19, it's a no-brainer. Go get Devontae Smith. Justin, I know sort of the story of how you got into doing your interview series where, like you said, when you were on No Nonsense, you wanted to sort of find your niche and you thought that that would be a good thing to do. How did you get into the whole draft stuff to begin with? Like, for whatever reason, I, I still don't know that, like, did you play ball? Were you like a, a, a scout or something? What got you into that world? Just a hobby about 10 years ago, truthfully, just a hobby 10 years ago. I, I decided I love the draft and like a lot of, you know, 16, 17 year olds. Well, not, not a lot, but I mean, if you like the draft at that age, you know, the draft breakdown was around at that time. Yeah. And, and, and I remember watching clips and, and I tell this story, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to admit it. Uh, I got started. I emailed, um, the, the owner of Draft Breakdown about six years ago, I said, look, uh, I, I had a bit of a background in writing already uh, in, in another uh, field that I worked in, but as, as a really young guy, and I emailed the owner of the Draft Breakdown, Brian Perez, you know, and he'll tell this story because he's still on Draft Twitter and everything. And I just said, hey, I'm a guy that's got a bit of a background in writing. Um, I really like the draft and I'm interested in volunteering for the Draft Breakdown and, and doing a little writing. And, you know, the thing that people maybe don't know about me is I'm maybe I'm a little too passionate to a fault and I take everything I do seriously. So when I started doing it, I really invested into it and I learned, I spoke with people, I took the time and it just blew up for me. 
So uh, I, I just love the draft and it, it became my thing. So uh, as you know, I mean, I, I do also cover the Titans. I do a lot of Titan stuff during the season, but the draft is definitely my bread and butter. And uh, as I've kind of chased uh, that passion of mine, you know, again, years ago, relentlessly, <laughs> I've uh, been able to make the connections that I've been able to make. And, and, the, and the draft series is something now, uh, the interview series that is, is, is something that I'm really proud of. And, and, and I'll put it up against, uh, against anybody's interview series, really. Well, you crush it, man. I think everyone who follows you uh, knows that, no doubt about it. But last question, then we'll get you out of here. Once this draft is all done, once, once Mr. Irrelevant has been named, What's your first order of business? Are you, are you going to a, a victory cocktail, maybe a cigar, some Molson's perhaps? What, what, what's, what's, your, what's your first move? Molson's, I love it. You know, I learned last year, <laughs> I'll tell you this, Saturday is by far my busiest day. Uh, so unfortunately, there's no rest there yet because as soon as that Mr. Irrelevant is made, uh, I'm breaking a ton of UDFA news on Twitter. So that my first move, unfortunately, is going to be working the cell phones just uh, more, more probably uh, than I have throughout the entire process. I mean, I last year was really the first year that I kind of dipped my toe into that water and I broke a ton of UDFA news last year. So uh, that unfortunately it, it won't stop for me there, but I'll tell you what, I am looking forward to kind of putting the phone down Sunday morning and having a really nice breakfast and probably a really nice lunch as well. Probably get crazy and double down, but uh, first order of business Saturday, unfortunately, that's probably when I'll be my busiest is right oh. when Mr. Irrelevant gets called. Well, we wish you strength. We wish you patience. And uh, he is Justin Mello, guys. Go follow him on Twitter at Justin M underscore NFL. He's on the Draft Network. You can find him on Music City Audible for Broadway Sports. It's a great podcast with Justin Mello and Titans Film Room. Justin, we thank you so much for your time. And we, we really, we really wish the most strength uh, as, as this three-day process is about to unfold here on Thursday. I appreciate it. I, I was born for this. It's nothing I can't handle. So let's do it. Let's <laughs> rock and roll. I'm ready for, I've put the work in over the last eight months. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take a nap now. You know what I mean? Not, not when we're right at the finish line. I got to cross the finish line now. I appreciate both you guys for having me on and, and try to enjoy dra draft weekend. As busy as I'll yeah. be, uh, mm -hmm. I will be enjoying it still. Thanks a bunch, Justin. Pleasure was all mine, guys. Flags on the field. It's a miracle. Tennessee has pulled a miracle. That was Justin Mello, Luke. I got just about everything I wanted out of Justin Mello. He, we couldn't have had a better guest, especially with the draft. Uh, you guys are going to be listening this Wednesday, so the draft will be t tomorrow for you guys, uh, two days from when we're recording now. But, man, he hit on all of the guys that I was interested in. Barmore has been getting a lot of buzz. Buck Rising has been doing a lot of his talking, uh, his bidding for him. Um, Caleb Farley is really an interesting prospect for the Titans need at cornerback too. I was really interested to hear about uh, that class. The wide receivers, I, I'm telling you that we got to, if, if Julio Jones is not in the, is not in the future for the Titans. Wide receiver, the first pick, I think that's the only way you can go. Uh, Justin Mello, just the man. Yeah, he's awesome. And like I was telling you, uh, I've been doing the No Nonsense podcast. 2021 will be our fifth season doing that. And ever since every year before the draft, we've we've had him on for a full hour and and never regret it. Of course, he, he's awesome. And uh, he, he always um, helps me out on draft night, sending me stuff and tidbits. And uh, uh, he, he's awesome. Uh, and like you said to him, 
his success that he's had lately is uh, well-earned and well-deserved. No doubt about that. That guy is an assassin when it comes to the draft and when it comes to talking Titans. Uh, let's talk Titans. Well, let's talk former Titans now um, because, <laughs> because we have some news. Isaiah Wilson or G.G. Bowser, depending on how you, how you refer to him these days, um, he's dropped his debut mixtape of which I'm sure none of you have listened to, uh, as I'd like to applaud you if you haven't. If you have, that's okay. I kind of took a, took a listen to, to one of the songs and then decided it wasn't for me. But hey, that's music. You get to decide what's good and what's not. Um, his his mixtape... this is not. His, his mixtape is... Yeah, Luke, it's not for Luke. Um, it, it's called Layup Lines, which, you know, is different than the lines he had probably been doing ever since he got down to Miami. Uh, that's a cocaine joke for you, Luke. Uh, so on the layup lines, he's got songs titled LMK, Meep Meep. Meep Meep is the one that I listen to, actually. He talks about having sexual intercourse with uh, grandmothers, which is, uh, <laughs> okay, you know, if it floats your boat. That's yeah, all, I, all I've, I mean, I mean I'm going to be honest. All I've listened to is that little snippet that Austin Stanley put on Twitter. <laughs> and that, that was enough for me. I haven't listened to the part about, having sex with grandmothers yeah, um that came up in meep meep uh homer another one up the sco tears up the sco and no middleman straight from the plug isaiah wilson man what a disaster listening to uh, was. former enemy of the show jonathan hutton today and he made the comment that up the sco is what the other team does when isaiah wilson's on the field <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and tears are what what are shed when Titans fans are watching from home, and Isaiah Wilson gets put in. Yeah, and you know, you know, there's a bunch of these. No middleman. The Titans didn't need a middleman to get a trade done with the Dolphins. Swapped seventh rounders. Here's Isaiah Wilson for a day. Yeah, Enterprise like, Let me say this. So I'm not a hip hop guy. It's not really my thing. My I'm a uh, my musical taste is mostly like theater music, and I write theater music. Actually, so you're well. you're really you do. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. you, you got a theater side to you. Have you been in I any like, place? I'm not an actor, just a writer. Okay. Um, but, you know, I like my melodies. I like my harmonies. But when I, I can appreciate hip-hop, and when I hear good hip-hop, I can recognize that. Like, when I listen to a Kendrick Lamar song, I can say, this isn't really my type of thing, but this is really good, and, and the lyrics are very nicely written, and it makes a lot of sense. And, and even, you know, I wrote the story last week about Darrington Evans and, and his hip-hop stuff and when i listened to that i was like man that's just pretty good stuff oh man when i listened to the panda my first i mean and i went into it i was like okay you know uh this is you know lowest common denominator everybody's piling on isaiah wilson let me give this a chance and then i clicked on it and i was like oh no jesus christ yeah i mean it was like well what got me was and apparently there's a term for this that i'm i'm not uh, Luke, aware uh, of before you get before you say this term you don't really strike me as a hip-hop guy if i'm being quite honest <laughs> i'm just That's looking not, yeah. uh, i'm looking into your room you've got the keyboard uh behind you put up on the yeah. wall and while that's big in hip-hop you know they play the keyboard uh i, I figured yours would be more for some more along the you're, you seem like you lean towards classical more so than you you, you know when we have guys like future or young thug out there not really classical but but anyway that, but you, that aside you know what i'm saying here that aside yeah let's yeah. put that aside what, what's yeah, the term I, but but well i don't know what the term is i can't remember it it was someone told me but what he does in these songs if you call them that mumble rap is 
it well it's like not even spoken word it's this like weird half sung falsetto voice where panda who's six seven three fifty is <laughs> singing kind of like this, 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 this that's right though that is it's it. he, that's he's... what shocked me more than anything was the pitch of this yeah he needs to he needs a uh, what's it called a, a sound a vocal coach, coach. a vocal yeah. coach that's right that's what he needs but i mean look if we know anything about panda it's that he doesn't listen to coaching so i, I don't know that we could even get him <laughs> that, in the right pitch. yes <laughs> I'm glad, though, that, uh, you know, when I look at this album, uh, that Amy Adams Strunk's money went to something good. She funded she this project. Yeah. He paid for this. Amy, uh, look, we love you, but uh, this one, this, this one was, you know what? You've got blood on your hands in the mixtape world here. You have spawned a, another terrible rapper. I mean, Zach Bingham's a big pit bull guy from the 305. Miami's got some good rappers. Isaiah Wilson just doesn't happen to be one of them. Yeah. No. Is he even in Miami? Like, I wonder where he is. Is he in Athens? Uh, I, I don't, I'm going to put money on Miami just because that seems like a place where he, where his, you know, he's yeah. going to spiral out. So we're going to have I haven't Miami. listened. Are we sure the name of the song is Tears and it's not Tears? Like could tearing tears. something apart? It could be Tears, yeah. That, that's a possibility. Good. That's a good, hey, good, good, uh, good. So we're, doing, we're doing like music analysis. Like by the end of this, we're both going to have bachelor's degrees in like musicology. Look, yeah. I mean, we're not, the, we're not the two guys you want critiquing your hip hop music. I mean, <laughs> no. our skin tone combined is, is, is still probably a little, a little bit lighter than the Michelin man. Uh, so, so we're, we're pretty pasty in that, in that sense. We're, we're, we're like a, we're like a milk, a milk Elmer's glue hybrid um, between the two of us. So we don't really, we can't really, that's not our, that's not our area of expertise, but uh, nah. we'll move on from Isaiah Wilson. And I hope we all eventually one day can collectively move on from the train wreck, not only on the field and off the field, but now in the studio and out of the studio that is Isaiah Wilson or GG Bowser, however you prefer to address him. Uh, with that being said, hey, look, we've got one more, one more show topic here. Let's remember the Titan. You debuted mm -hmm. last week with Will Witherspoon, and yeah. to be honest with you, I'm really interested in uh, hearing where you're going to go this week. Yes, I've got a fun one. Uh, I, I'm going with one that I wonder if you'll remember this guy. He's more recent in the sense of last 10 years. Uh, my Remember the Titan this week is former Titans interior offensive lineman, Fernando Velasco. Fernando... Ah, do I remember? I, when what, what what teams was he on? Which years was he? Twenty fifteen. He was a full time starter in two thousand twelve. Two thousand twelve. Wow. And then Dark a Dark couple of years later, when Brian Schwenke ripped his leg in half, Love he came Schwenke. back. Hmm. And so the starting centers it was Eugene Amano in two thousand eleven, then it was Velasco, and then it was Schwenke. And then it was Velasco again, and then I think is when Ben Jones entered the fold. And thank God for that. On the Ben Jones sewed, no less. We we mentioned the yeah. uh, the uh, the previous center to to the Ben Jones era. That's pretty good. I like Fernando Velasco. He's got an awesome name. If I could have it my way, absolutely, I might, I might take Fernando Velasco's name. If I had it my way, I don't have it my way. But that's neither here nor there. 
That's pretty good. Fernando Velasco. I'm sure people will remember that guy. Um, mine this week, we're going Calvin Lowry. Calvin Sinclair Lowry, that is, born on February 13th in Fort Hood, Texas. He went to Penn State. He played defensive back, and the Titans drafted him in the fourth round of the 2006 NFL draft. Uh, he played. He's only spent two years with the Titans. He played in uh, 32 games, started 11 of them, reeled in two picks. He had two interceptions for a total of 18 yards on the uh, in return. Um, you know, he, he's not exactly the most high-profile name, but when we're in the 60th episode, you know, you've burned 120 former Titans players, which is uh, we're approaching three entire rosters full. So we're, we're a little bit thin on our guys, but that's okay. We have Calvin Lowry for us. Uh, he spent some time after the Titans. He played for the Broncos and the Jaguars, the Detroit Lions, and the Omaha Nighthawks. He, uh, look, he, he's now, after his playing career came to an end in January of 2015, he was hired to be an assistant coach at Tulsa, and that's where he still is. He's, he's, he's the receivers coach for the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes, He's in his sixth year as the receivers coach and special teams coach. He's he, he served in that role as well. So we're going Calvin Lowry, a supplemental defensive back, because look, the Titans are that's one of their needs this year. I guess we could call him the Kevin Johnson of the 2007 and 2000 and, or 2006 2007 Titans. Limited capacity, oh, Kevin. Minimal role. I, I hope Kevin. For the for the Titans' sake, I hope Kevin Johnson doesn't see the field as much as Calvin Lowry did. Oh yeah, yeah I mean, Kevin Johnson has seen the field enough, and what we've seen on the field from Kevin Johnson has not been I mean, ideal. Not, not to get off on a tangent, but if they think Kevin Johnson is going to come in and like be their nickel and like be the guy, they've got another thing coming. <laughs> okay, Luke, not a Kevin Johnson guy. Jot that down. All right, well, that look, we're at the end of the road here, Luke. Um, we've got the draft in a day. Yeah. So let's just finish off with this. Who who are who are, who are the Titans taking at the 27 22nd pick in the first round? Who do you have them taking? We're going to do a little mock draft. No, it's so tough. Usually I can get a pretty good read on it. I I called, I think I mentioned this last time. I called Evans when that happened. I called Conklin when that happened. But this year I'm really struggling mainly because I think there's so many different positions they can go with. Mm -hmm. um, oh, man. I, it's for pretty me, tough. It really is. I'm going to say it's either going to be Moore or fat or Farley. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, ask me again tomorrow. I may change my answer. But right now I'm going to say it's going to be Caleb Farley. It's interesting, too, with Farley because Newsom's right there next. You know, he, he's that outside of the – certain uh jc horn duo it, it, the next two guys are are farley and newsome but you hear much more buzz about farley than you do newsome um so you're going farley i'm i gotta go elijah moore look i'm an old miss rebel okay so and I, I would love to see elijah moore in the slot you got aj brown out wide that's just that's beautiful to me in a way that you'll never understand uh, maybe the titans bring in lane kiffin as offensive coordinator if things don't go well with uh, Todd Downing Jr., but we'll see uh, Todd Downing Jr. I gave him a junior, but um, okay. So that look, we we've we've showed you ours. Show us show us yours. Tweet at us at Titan Up Pod who the Titans are going to take with that twenty second overall pick. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, we're we're out on all platforms, as you know. 
go to uh, the Apple Podcasts. You're going to give us five stars in your caption. Five stars if you enjoy it, of course. Don't don't rate if you don't enjoy it. We'll leave you out of those ratings. Uh, four and a half stars for the Tup, half a star for Buck. We got to keep those going. We we've got some forward momentum on that, so we got to keep them going. Luke, it's your second time filling in for Austin Huff. Uh, do, do you feel comfortable? Are you are you feeling like? You know, I feel like I feel like last week we we were sort of feeling each other out and getting uh-huh. used to this and 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 this I mean this was five stars as far as I'm concerned nice. and I will say a while back I looked at the A to Z network uh, reviews on iTunes and one of the reviews was like I don't like to tighten up podcasts I want more Luke Worsham so oh, that guy that one really that guy. Uh, You've, you've gotten your wish. I you've gotten your wish. You so you better you better correct that rating and review. Look, yeah, <laughs> you got what? What else could we offer? You now have Luke Worsham on the Tighten Up podcast. Luke, it's been a pleasure, and I'm excited for this whirlwind to finally come to an end. If I'm being honest, I'm a bit exhausted with with all the draft discussion and everything that's gone into it the last couple months since the Titans were essentially eliminated from the playoffs. So we're gonna have all of our answers on Thursday, and we're gonna talk to you about them. Next Tuesday, you'll yeah. be hearing us next Wednesday about just how we thought the Titans did in the draft. And uh, we're going to have a guest, hopefully, to uh, to break it down for us. So we're excited yeah. to talk to you then. We appreciate you listening to us this week. Luke, anything for the road? I'll just say that uh, this is my favorite weekend to have the job that I have, whether it's you know Super Bowl playoffs. I, this tops it all to me. It's so much fun. It's so long. Every team is involved. Uh, I, and I've put this on social media before growing up, the draft was always kind of like Christmas morning and, and it still sort of has that feeling to it. So I'm really excited <laughs> for this weekend. It really is like Christmas morning to a football fan. Well, anyways, guys, that's going to do it for us. Go follow Luke on Twitter. He's great. He's got in-depth analysis, writes great stories for A to Z sports, all about your Tennessee Titans at Luke underscore Worsham on Twitter. I'm at Jack A. Gentry. If you're so kind, throw us a follow. We're going to keep you posted Um, throughout the entirety of the NFL draft this weekend. Guys, stay strong. We're almost there. Don't eat each other alive. Don't fight each other on draft night. We're going to come together as one. And no matter who the Titans take, we're going to hype them up. Uh, Unless they take the wrong guy, then we're going to tear them down. Either way, John Robinson, no pressure, man. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. They've had the same head coach leading all the way. That's one of many reasons that I'm loving how they play. They're the Tennessee Titans. They're the Tennessee Titans. They'll keep